Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 36 through 47. And it reads, Therefore, let, is, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, promises, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now you please bow your heads and join me in prayer. God, we hear you in this moment, and I thank you for allowing us to come together in this moment in fellowship. And so I come to you and I pr we pray that as a congregation that we can take this to our hearts. Let it soak in and meditate on it. I pray that we can learn to rely on you no matter what is going on, to become fully dependent on your word in every circumstance. And I pray that we can realize what and recognize what he has done for us, what your son did for us on the cross. And I pray that we can receive the Holy Spirit in our lives and soak in the message that we, have, we will hear today. I pray for Pastor Mike, who is about to come up here and preach from your word. And I pray that you will guide him in these moments, that he will become dependent on you, and that the words that he speaks will not be of his own, but will be your words flowing through him. Lord, protect him, guard his mind, and minister to his heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So glad that you're here in worship with us uh, live at, at Marion Methodist or as part of the church online. We're glad that you've joined us. Uh, there's always special moments happening in everyone's lives, and today we have a special moment. I saw Kelsey and Ben DeRoos walk in, which means it's Judah's first day in church ever. So you can only do that one time, so Judah's here today, and we're glad for that. As Simon mentioned uh, in one of his interludes there, um, we're all marked with something. And so as we begin really defining and assessing what our DNA is as disciples, what our DNA is the church is, uh, I start with this simple question, what are the marks of your life? You know, we all have marks. We have physical marks. 
I mean, some of us have a, have a tattoo here. Most all of us that have risen to adulthood have, have some scar somewhere that we can say, oh, that's the day I did this or that. We have physical marks on us. Um, you know, a lot of us wear wedding rings so that people might know, yes, I've certainly invested my life in another, and, and that's my uh, physical mark of that. But then also, I never knew this, but um, sometimes by just being who we are, we're wearing a uniform. That kind of defines us, and people can kind of see who we are. Um, about 30 years ago, um, four of my friends and I were eating breakfast at a, you know, a cafe in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we were all dressed like guys of our age, right? And the waitress comes up to us and said, Well, what is it, boys? Preachers or football coaches? And the funny thing is, three of us were both of those things. I'm like, how could they tell? Well, we had apparently the uniform of the day for that ocu those occupations, we had them all. We do have these physical marks, and we say, what marks our lives? Well, sometimes our marks can be seen, but also we have these spiritual and emotional marks. Uh, I recall hearing one of my college students, who was undergraduate assistant when I was on the campus at Simpson and was the church relation or the, the chaplain there and instructor in religion, I heard her out in my outer office say, well, Mike's kind of grumpy today. But don't worry, at 10 o'clock, his little girls are coming, and he just lights up when they come. So apparently we have these internal marks as well. You know, things that just kind of change how people see you. And I was out in the center just a few weeks ago, and I heard two others talking about one of you and uh, one said to the other, everything, as she walked away, everything about her is Christian. That's, that's how her life is marked. All of our lives are marked. What are the marks of your life? Each one of us has quantifiable marks that define who we are and what our lives are about. Every single one of us. We have marks on us, external marks, internal, spiritual, and, and emotional marks. That, that are quantifiable, that define who we are and what our lives are about. And so our goal, as we lead you through as a church staff and as a leadership team, our desire in this time is to assist you grow the quantifiable marks of Christian discipleship in your life. Now, is the Christian faith quantifiable? The first Christian sermon answers that, that, that question with an emphatic yes. Now, let's remind ourselves of what the situation was for that first Christian sermon. It is the day of Pentecost. So we're seven weeks out from when the disciple Peter said, I've never heard of this guy. I don't know him. I'm not part of his company. Three times Peter denied Jesus seven weeks ago. And on that day, he is standing in the very same town that Jesus was killed, Jerusalem. The very same town where Jesus was beaten. The very same town where he huddled and, and, and cowered in fear. And he's standing to make the first Christian sermon. The once timid Peter has become a bold proclaimer of the gospel. Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and made fearless. He says... There can be no secret disciples of Jesus. You either are or you are not. Our lives are to have the marks of a disciple. 
And the foundation of those marks come at the end of his sermon. When the men are cut to the heart, you heard Caden read it, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do? And Peter didn't have to search around. He didn't have to look on the internet to find the answer. The Spirit himself had given the answer. He said, repent and be baptized. You see, repentance means to literally change your way of thinking from hostility towards Christ to total reception of Christ. That is a remarkable and dramatic change. You, you re deny Christ as Lord, and then you receive him as Lord in, in repentance. And baptism is a mark. Baptism is the visible seal of the change of your heart and your inauguration or initiation into the body of his friends, the church. Now, the early disciples, those that we're reading about in Acts chapter 2, devotion was marked by quantifiable action on behalf of the Lord. They followed the Lord as he were invited. They knew that they either followed him or did not. You know, Jesus never gives the option for us to be a kind of disciple. Are you a disciple of Christ? Oh, kind of. That's not one of the choices. It's a binary. You either follow Christ or you are not. And because they chose to follow him, they did as he instructed. And they went on all kinds of missions and adventures for him because their lives were marked. As were their lives, our lives are marked by quantifiable action on behalf of the Lord. So we're going to spend this and the next six weeks on very clear, simplistic concepts. Is where we are going the place where the Lord is leading us? And is what we are doing what Christ instructs us to do? Many of you here, many of you in the church online are members of this church or another Methodist church. Some of you are not. So let me give you these words just so you know. When you become a member of Marian Methodist, what you sign up for, or any, Marian, or any Methodist church, we say these words, the last question you're asked. As members of this congregation, Marian Methodist, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your witness, your gifts, and your service, to which we are all supposed to resoundingly say, I will. When, when you join the church, that's what you sign up for. You're signing up for quantifiable, actionable things as a disciple of Christ. It's a faithful pledge of what will mark your life as a disciple. And these are so quantifiable. You either are doing these things or you are not. It's really easy to, to assess. And of course, when we come into this sermon series, the, the target is you. The target is, is you, the church uh, assembled in the church online. So we chose words and visuals that you would know. We start with the plinth. The plinth is where we begin the marks of a disciple. I, I know the plinth is what you see when you drive by Marian Methodist. It's a marker of our physical location that says Marian Methodist. And I know that when you're downtown and someone says to you, um, where, where do you go to church? You say, I'm a Marian Methodist. And they say back to you, oh, the church with the plinth, right? Maybe not. They'll probably likely say to you, oh, the church with the glowing cross, the cross that changes colors. 
And that's okay. But I want to explain a little bit. Sometimes when we see a piece of artwork, uh, maybe a little discernment is helpful. So if you look at this artwork that's on your screen, what you see is five icons, prayers, presence, gifts, witness, service, that are traveling on five paths on our stained glass plinth that lead to the cross of Christ. They all lead towards Christ. Now, each path represents a mark in your discipleship. We walk on each path. We walk on the path of prayers. We walk on the path of prayers, presence, gifts, witness, service. Each path we walk on, further advanced on some, because some of you are like majestic prayer warriors. Some of you are fabulous in serving Christ and the community. But in some other places, we might not be as far advanced. So, so we, we walk on each path, further advanced in some than others, but Christians are always part of a movement. You remember in the early church, they didn't call us a church. They called us the way, the way of Christ, which was a way of following. And you can't follow someone sitting still. You're moving. So, so in our movement, we're moving toward the cross of Christ. So this visual reminder uh, reminds us of, of what our faithful participation in the ministry of Christ means both growth and movement. So I want to talk about the marks of a disciple of Christ. And I was going to say I'm going to do this briefly, but, you know, you guys know me, so it might take a minute. Let me walk through each one of them quickly. And we'll, we'll develop these a little bit more fully when it becomes their week. First, we offer our prayers. In our prayers, we listen and we speak to God. The prayer, prayer is the religious practice of the repentant heart. It's a concrete expression of the forgiveness of sins and the reception of the Holy Spirit. We, we pray that when we are forgiven, that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. Because when, when you're listening to what Caden was reading, it, it shows us on the day of Pentecost, uh, following that day of Pentecost, you can see this in verse 42 and you read this at home, the church devoted itself to prayer. It wasn't just a worship service time of prayer for them. They devoted themselves to pray, prayer, and it was in prayer that they, they gathered strength. You know, I, I've noticed this, that sometimes when emotionally or spiritually you're down, it kind of takes your physical with you, too. You go, oh, man, not this again, or oh, I'm so worn out. But it was in prayer that, that the early church gathered their strength physically and emotionally and expressed themselves to God. They, they, they listened and, and they shared. Why? The Lord instructed him to follow his example. Earlier today during this, this service, we prayed the method of prayer that, that, God, that Christ gave his disciples. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray, he said, when you pray, say this, our Father who art in heaven. And, and, and you know the rest or are learning the rest. We're instructed to pray. We, we simply are. We all know this, right? We all know that. And many of us need to be encouraged to pray. We need to be encouraged to, to listen and speak to God. Because, you know, honestly, some of us don't know how to pray that well. Others of us are uncomfortable in, in prayer situations. 
some of us, and I know this has happened to me more than one time, is we've gotten stuck in our prayer life, kind of like a, an Iowa car in a blizzard where you're high-centered on the snow. We just get stuck. And, and I also know that sometimes it's hard for us to give thanks to God when, when, when life is covid or divorce, or relationships shattering, or difficulties at work, or depression, or anxiety, or frankly, insert your struggle here. It's sometimes hard to give God thanks when we're in the midst of such a profound struggle that everything about us feels kind of crippled and our knees are bent. And so sometimes we know we're supposed to pray, but oftentimes we forget or we neglect to pray. Now, many of us are prayer warriors. I get that. And, and there are some great prayer warriors in this congregation that go to God daily that fervently prayer, pray. And some of their prayers, quite honestly, are that which sustain you and me day by day because they are praying so fervently on our behalf to the Lord. All of us can mark our lives more fully, can be encouraged and grown into a more robust prayer life so we pledge our prayers we also pledge our presence to be with god and god's people so um i was a youth pastor for a long time at the early portion of my ministry and had a pretty fairly large youth group in colorado springs and in every youth group you need that kid that will just say it like it is okay and we were planning this spring activity and there's a concert or something like that. And we got to the certain point where it was going to be the end. And, and I said, well, what should we do next? And somebody said, fellowship time. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And Todd Moore, he's this kid who's about a foot and a half taller than me. He always had kind of that sardonic, I'm going to tell it the way I see it kind of guy. He says, oh, fellowship time? That's old people drinking bad coffee, eating stale cookies, and us wanting to go home. I'm like, ouch. That's not fellowship time for me. Fellowship time. Hey, we have great coffee here, just so you know. We have awesome cookies. But fellowship time is more than coffee and cookies. It means to be fully present for each other. Because really, if we were able to drive here in cars, we can get cookies anywhere we want. And there's coffee available in Marion every three blocks. To be present means Christians show up for each other. To be physically present in worship and meetings and small groups for each other. Now, I know there, there's a lot of us that are worshiping with us on the church online because it's not quite time. You know, we're, we, we need to manage our own health. We need to advocate for ourselves. And I know COVID's not going to be forever. We, we do it. It feels like it might have been or is. But, but this doesn't go on forever. The body of Christ is not meant to be dismembered forever. We need to come back in the appropriate moments. And, and we love, those of us that are here in this room, we love being together with each other, being physical present, physically present for worship and for, for care and that sort of thing. Because we need, all of us, to be spiritually and emotionally present for, for those who have an ache or a concern or a brokenness that needs help carrying it. And this is for all of us, whether we're here in this building or not. Christianity, you see, is a social faith. It can never be a private faith. We can pray privately, but, but Christianity is, is social. We need to be with each other to serve and encourage 
each other. And, and frankly, we need to have fun and, and, and break bread with each other. I, I remember another kid in that very same youth group that I talked about uh, a moment ago when we were talking about fellowship time. He said, uh, his name was Rich McCarthy, and Rich said, we need more than just oxygen sharers in our lives. Oh, that was great. People need people. We need more than just oxygen sharers in our lives. We need those that can motivate and encourage others to grow in their faith, to mentor the less experienced, and take seriously our specific roles in the work of presence. Third, we pledge our witness. We need to share our story, the story of our faith, we love telling stories, telling them and hearing them. You know, um, out, out in the center today, I heard a bunch of stories. I heard a story about a dog, a windmill. I heard a story about the Marion Wolves, the Cyclones, all that. We, we love telling stories. I mean, that's what TikTok and Netflix and, and YouTube, that's all about storytelling. We love sitting around a campfire at night. And I'll tell you what, if you've never heard a story, my older brother's here, he'll tell you a story. He loves telling stories. They change from time to time, but you'll enjoy them every time right? But when we love sitting in garages and telling stories, we love having family reunions, telling the stories that sometimes are realistic, sometimes not. And I will tell you one of the greatest things that happens in Summer Games University, our, our, our summer camp, is when the students tell their stories, the faith testimony. They tell how God has impacted their life. And you're going to see a little bit about that from some of our own members, not, not necessarily the students, but you're going to hear some faith stories <clears throat> in the next few weeks during our, our worship service because Christianity is communicable. It's a communicable faith. The story of your faith is to be told, not to be kept in hold. It's supposed to be told. We need to be able and we need to have that ready you know, we, we need to have the answer to the question, when and why did you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Because this I know, and I've been around this for a long time. If you're able to share your faith story, it is extremely interesting to people that other believers, and it's also very interesting to the people that know you and hold you in high esteem, even if they don't believe. They, they're impressed. They want to hear it because it's what your life deal is. So don't be afraid to tell the story of your faith. It'll come up. The opportunity will come for you to tell what God has done in your life and how God has made you who you are. The scriptures in Romans chapter 10 says this, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers that bring good news. Share your story. We also pledge our gifts. We joyfully offer our financial resources to God and the church. One of the marks of early Christianity has always been giving. On day one in the church, if you listen to what Caden read, in the day of Pentecost, following that, day by day the church was together, and the church was taking care of the needs of those who needed financial resources to bless them. That's always been part of the church deal. When a, when a disaster has inflicted people, whether it's a hurricane, an earthquake, a tornado, the church gives to that. When, when we see people that are marginalized in society, people that have food insecurities, people that are, have some illness, people that have housing or basic needs that are lacking, the body of Christ, the church steps into that. And we also, of course, care for each other and, and through the ministries of the church through our gifts. I, I remember very well 
my dear friend, my, my partner here at Marion Methodist in ministry for the first seven years I was at Marion, uh, Pastor Melissa Brock Wagner. She spent two more years in ministry in our community uh, doing flood recovery for one year and then, of course, uh, later as the uh, first director of Marion Cares. But when we were getting ready for the fall, uh, we were talking about giving, and Pastor Melissa simply said this. She says, well, just tell them to give until it blesses. That would be a lot shorter sermon, wouldn't it? Just give until it blesses. Give sacrificially, the Christian is told. It, it needs to make a difference in your life. It, it may not change the level or your style of living, but, but we have to give sacrificially enough that it makes a difference in who we are and, and that it represents ourselves well to God. And we need to be willing to give substantially in, in ways that can be significant in the ministries or the people to which we are giving. And we pledge our service. We are to pledge our service to join God in building up others. The early church worked together physically to make the lives of other people better. People needed to use their talents to benefit the whole. That great theologian, Bob Dylan, wrote a song. You're going to serve somebody. And that's simply true. And the apostles tell us to serve Christ, his people, and the church. The marks of the disciple will be what we're about in the next seven weeks. That's what the whole church is going to be talking about. Our, our investigation to, to who we are as a people and a church. It's not too late to sign up or join a growth group. And if, if you want an online group, we, we have those as well. And you can, you can join those if you, if you would like to do that. And if you're just not a person that joins group, uh, we understand, but definitely grab one of these cards and take it home. And if you'd like, um, there's some, the materials we'll be using in the small groups are out there um, in the center. Take one home and maybe do the study alongside us and write in your answers. But let, let me talk to you about this week's growth challenge. And, and any of you that are in small groups will, will find that this is what we're going to be about this week. Th this week's growth challenge starts with committing to attend the next six weeks in church. Now, maybe you can't be here because your kid has this, that, or the other thing, but commit to watching at least the sermon, and I wouldn't, I would tell you to embrace the, the beautiful music that we have, but, but commit to attending the next six weeks of worship uh, and, and then uh, a growth or, or uh, you know, a small group service. Take the Marks of Disciple card, and, and don't take one per family. Take, take one for everybody. So if you didn't have one, there's a bunch at either Welcome Center. Maybe the ushers will have them on, on the way out. But put it somewhere where you'll see it. Mine's going to sit right down at the right-hand corner of my monitor at, at my office at church because that's where I tend to look a lot. So put it right there uh, so you'll see it a lot. And it will be a reminder of your commitment to Christ. And tell somebody. I, I encourage you to tell your growth group. But... If you're not going to a growth group, tell somebody so you'll be accountable to this, where you put it, and, and follow up on them and say, yeah, I really did it. So, so let's take a minute. We're, we're going to do a few things different during this series. Well, let's take a minute, and let's just, through song, uh, let's worship God here uh, a minute at the end of our worship service.